Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, well, thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, everybody, for listening in and joining today on Demand Gen Radio. Let's go ahead and just kick things right off. I have Russ Glass joining me today from LinkedIn slash Microsoft. And i got to tell you, Russ, on the way in, I was listening to, I think it was an old interview between Howard Stern and Russell Brand. And if we could be anywhere near as funny and entertaining, it's going to be an amazing <laughs> podcast. So the bar is high, my friend. Am I, am I allowed to use all those uh, all those words that they use on that show, or do I have to be a little more careful than that? I don't think there's any censorship on Demand Gen Radio. I don't think we have any policies against that. So go for this it. Is not, not a, this is not a family-friendly program. It is, but the families and friends don't listen. It's just a bunch of us marketing geeks and marketing professionals out there in the world. Good to know. Good to know. All right, so Russ, thank you for joining me. For those of you who don't know Russ, uh, he and I have a long history together. When I first started DemandGen, way back when, uh, he and I got together for lunch in San Francisco, and he was the founder of Bizzo, and we were talking about the marketing technology landscape and what Bizzo was doing over there. And then, hey, lo and behold, a few years later, uh, Russ's company gets acquired by LinkedIn. So I want to talk a little bit about that, Russ, but mainly we want to jump in and talk about where LinkedIn is today, and Russ heads up all of the sales and marketing products for LinkedIn, who, as you probably also know, has been acquired by Microsoft. So a lot for us to cover today. Russ, why did LinkedIn acquire Bizzo, and now maybe give color to that it's years later, so what ultimately led to the uh, you know adoption of the Bizzo technology and platform? Uh, good question. Well, I think, you know, first of all, it was a really strong you know, product market fit where LinkedIn had this amazing platform that reaches business professionals globally. Uh, we now actually just crossed the half a billion mark, uh, of, of, of members that we have on our, in our platform. And then Bizzo, on the other hand, was this incredible technology for helping marketers reach business people. LinkedIn didn't have much in the way of technology that kind of marketers have come to expect, right? Like pixel, uh, infrastructures and and analytics around um, audience members that that can measure who's coming to a marketer's website and targeting capabilities out there and programmatic. So all of that stuff that Bizzo had built and the know-how we had built, LinkedIn wanted to bring in to really kind of double down on their their marketing solutions business. Uh, so that was one. Is that product market fit? Two is just an incredible culture fit. We had we had actually been. Uh, uh, we had a partnership with LinkedIn for the last kind of two years prior to the acquisition. And every time we met with them, we really loved the team. They were, they were kind of our kind of people. When we, we actually had an inbound, uh, interest in our company from another company. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously very flattering, but we were, we, the culture fit wasn't nearly as, as good. And so, we we uh, started having conversations with with Jeff, the CEO of LinkedIn, and that led to what became this uh, this acquisition. Culture is really key. You know, if if two companies come together and the cultures are off, it just doesn't work even with the the best intentions. How are you uh, liking now life as part of Microsoft? So talking about acquisition before we get into the products and such, um, you know, LinkedIn had to go through its own uh, acquisition and, and cultural fit. How's that going? Yeah, totally. Well, actually, and I'll start with it is critically important for making acquisitions successful. And, and you know, even the, the Bizzo to LinkedIn 
acquisition. You know, we had we had some some bumps in how we plan on going to market. So, you know, the product market fit was there, but our strategy for bringing the product to market was off. And we very quickly realized, probably six months or a year into uh, the integration, that our, our sort of initial choice of having two separate platforms in market was the wrong choice. And we did it for expediency. We did it for the right reasons, right? Get, get technology in the market faster to support our customers. But we, we found that it was just really hard to support. It was hard to message. It was hard to help people understand which platform they should use. Should they use both? And so we had to make a call to integrate the two platforms much more quickly, uh, which, which implied a whole bunch of change for the organization. And, and I firmly believe that had the culture fit not been as strong as it was, it would have been almost impossible to make that change and ultimately get to where we got, which is this, you know, incredible um, growth and, and innovation that, we're, that we see right now in, in the LinkedIn marketing solutions world. So critically important, and then turn that to Microsoft, you know, to more directly answer your question, I think what we've found thus far is Microsoft, or certainly our kind of people, Satya in particular has taken the culture of Microsoft. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable what he's yeah. done in three years or so, uh, moving it into a what he calls a growth mindset kind of a company, and, and the people there are really thoughtful about how do we innovate again, how do we lose the uh, kind of the, the attitude that they had for a while was, you know, um, and not invented here kind of an attitude and, and, uh, a, you know, we're Microsoft. We know how to do things the right way to a, Hey, we're learning like the rest of you kind of an attitude and we want to get better and we want to keep improving. It is, is great thus far. And, and I think that the notion of how the integration is being done is a really exciting one where Satya has basically said to Jeff, look, you're, you own the integration, which is, kind of unique that yep. the acquired company would, would own the integration. And LinkedIn has complete control over what they want to integrate. And if they, you know, for me as a product leader, if I decide I don't want to integrate something or I decide that there's no value that Microsoft can bring me, then I just don't put it in my roadmap. But if I think they can help and I think that it, it sort of hits the bar, the line or the bar in terms of what we want to integrate, then uh, I add it to my roadmap. So really, you know, it's, it's given us kind of a lot of flexibility and, and ownership over how the integration is done. For sure. And, you know, you, you and I as entrepreneurs and, and uh, doing startups, we know how important, as we talked about, culture is. I mean, I think culture beats um, everything inside of an organization. It's number one. And if you have the right culture, uh, you're on the path to success, right? You've got to have the right products. You've got to do great marketing and all that. But it starts with culture. And the fit has been... Um, this fit has been tremendous, it seems. You know, I've done a lot of consulting work for Microsoft now over the past couple of years. You know, I started my career at Microsoft and worked on the U.S. Sales and Marketing Division, so it was really neat to go back there now decades later and get hired by them. To your point, they, they don't feel that they know everything, and they hired us to do some training for their demand generation team. And I did lead management training for them, made a bunch of videos for them, as well as uh, the focus around aligning sales and marketing and some training videos for their university. And we've also done a ton of work for LinkedIn on your marketing automation deployment and all of the things that need to get uh, put in and operationalized for that. So I've had exposure to both companies using 
marketing automation, marketing technology, and that's really where demand gen and my focus has been. What what I want to talk about today, one of the reasons I reached out to you and said, hey, let's get back together and do a podcast, is both companies now have all this great MarTech. They're using it for demand generation. So you are your own you know, environment for leveraging the LinkedIn network and the LinkedIn technology. And for you as a head of products, I think there's no better environment right now to be just incubating uh, among each other. So I don't think Candidly, you know, Russ, you know this, that the the brand awareness for LinkedIn's sales and marketing tools are extremely well known. The products have morphed over several years. So catch us up on the suite today. Let's just highlight some of the tools and technologies that are available. And I'd like to get your perspective on where those are going. But let's also follow this with what's the future of CRM look like? But let's start off with the, the products. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I think, I think that's right. I think we've done uh, a ton of work over the last couple of years to really both simplify our, our portfolio as well as start to innovate and focus on the formats that we think are the future and that are, that are kind of next level of performance for our, um, for our marketer customers. And if, if you look at it, it's really, you know, we're focused very much on native formats and we're focused very much on mobile formats. You know, the native formats, because we see those being the ones that are really performing, we see those are the ones that allow us to take most advantage of the unique nature of kind of what LinkedIn is. And we've always had great targeting, and that's kind of our reason for being in some respects in the marketing world. But now we're bringing that understanding of our user graph, our our, uh, uh, unique ecosystem that has professionals coming and consuming information to, to create formats that are special, right, and act in a contextual and highly targeted way. And then we, if you, if you break that down, what does that mean? You basically have kind of three core formats that are, that are highly native and, and, and that are the core focus of our uh, business today. One is sponsored content. Yep. These are formats that kind of fit within the feed and allow you to put a message in front of a customer right when they're consuming information, right when they're looking and discovering things. Second is sponsored in-mail, really unique format that sits within the LinkedIn messenger, uh, kind of the inbox, and, you know, does it's persistent. It doesn't go away until a user actually acts on it. And the frequency is a very low frequency format. A member can only get one of these every 60 days. And so because of that, extremely high-performing format. And then finally, we've got our dynamic ads. And, and these are ads that allow you to um, kind of real-time pull in data from LinkedIn. So you can pull in uh, the person who's doing the ad, for instance. You can pull in their profile picture or, or some stats and data about them and, and format the ad in a way that drives engagement rates up significantly. And those three core formats then have an infrastructure around them now that allow marketers to push their data in. You can push account lists in and create custom segments. You can push your email data in. Uh, you can integrate with marketing automation systems like Marketo and Eloqua to sync the ad you're serving with the emails that they're getting from those systems. Yep. And uh, you can retarget from your websites on LinkedIn. And you can layer on top of all of that LinkedIn unique data assets, right, all the profile information and, and on information that we glean about a person based on their profile information. So you end up now with this very powerful set of formats 
a powerful targeting infrastructure on top of it. And then finally, we're investing heavily in analytics uh, so that, you know, historically, if you worked with LinkedIn, it was not really that easy to understand what was working and what, what wasn't. And, and so now we're putting a, a lot of effort into not only, you know, the basic campaign data, but uh, what, you know, insights can we give you to help you be better? Uh, website analytics, you can see based on LinkedIn profile data, who's coming to your website, who's converting, what are they, what are they actually, uh, what are they actually doing? And all of that together, I, we believe is, is an extremely powerful platform for, for, uh, B2B marketers to be more successful. Um, I would say the final thing is we're now coupling that with our sales product. So LSS, which is which is headed up by a guy named Doug Campbelljohn, good buddy. We actually acquired his company, FlipTop. They're focusing on how do how do we create a tool that is critical for a salesperson's day to day, how they how they uh, interact with their prospects and customers, and uh, we're now starting to create the connections between the two products. Uh, we're thinking hard about how a sales and marketer, a salesperson and a marketer, uh, need to be more and more aligned as as time goes on. That's awesome. I mean, you guys have such great innovation and and such a good pulse on what's happening. Let's take a quick break. We got to jump to a commercial. I'll be right back. I am with Russ Glass, the VP of Products at LinkedIn slash Microsoft, and we're going to geek out on the future of CRM and AI in just a minute. <laughs> Have you ever wondered if there's a great book on modern marketing? Well, there is, and it's called Manufacturing Demand. It's written by modern marketing guru David Lewis. It's the number one book on lead generation, and guess what? It's yours for free today as a demand gen radio listener. In the book, David teaches you how to create your demand factory, how to align sales and marketing, how to set up your demand funnel, and he provides you blueprints of the best practices for lead scoring, lead nurturing, and marketing analytics. Plus, the book Manufacturing Demand gives you plenty of actionable tips and recommendations as well as real-world case studies for how leading companies like yours are achieving tremendous results applying these principles. As a Demand Gen Radio listener, you can download a free copy today, manufacturingdemand.com forward slash VIP. Don't wait. Grab your copy today. Just go to manufacturingdemand.com forward slash VIP. Or you can pick up a hard copy, Amazon.com or other fine booksellers, by searching for the book, Manufacturing Demand. All right, back to David and his guest. We are back. So far, what do you think? Howard Stern, Russ Glass, you and I, pretty pretty similar, right? I think so. But you know what? We're, I, think, I think we're crushing it. We're, we're crushing it. Let's let's do a really interesting segment on the future of CRM because I have to say when I first heard the news that Microsoft was acquiring LinkedIn, I was sitting there with a glass of coffee in the morning and I was envisioning what CRM would look like in the future, what talent management might look like in the future. And so let me just share with you that experience. I was sitting there and I was thinking how I buy today products and services and how smart Google has gotten and they own the property YouTube, right? And a whole lot of other great things. So if I search on Google, you know, a lot of people who know me personally know I'm into drones and RC airplanes and such. So if I Google about a flight controller, for example, because um, I want to find out how to configure a KISS flight controller, way too much information for you, Russ. 
on YouTube the next day, there are very targeted videos that are talking about the installation of that. If I go to Amazon, I'm seeing ads show up for products that I'm inquiring about. So they're integrating their properties. So I imagine a world where my head of HR is looking for talent and needs to fill a position and goes to LinkedIn. And what she sees are recommendations of people and those recommendations of people are based on the people who are in our company who have been successful, let's say have high performance reviews, that have had high longevity, where they came from. I mean, take AI and all the metadata that we have about our people and their performance and their longevity and if they update you know, natural language stuff about their accomplishments, how far stretches it to think that one day recruiters will use LinkedIn and find candidates for the company based on the candidates that have been successful. I mean, we'll get into leads in a second, but I started imagining that. And then I went on to think, okay, if I'm Microsoft and I want to compete in the world of CRM, which they have a CRM, and now I have the world's largest business network and professional network, will there ever be a day where the CRM doesn't require data entry for addresses and contacts and information? Will it tell you who you should go sell to because of people that you've sold to? Will it let you know when people have moved companies and when to go? Uh, so I started thinking about all these things, Russ, and it was, it was very exciting for me to think about a future. How much of that is Dave made up stuff in his mind will never happen? And where do you, what does the future of CRM look like to you and the, the power of AI? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, the vision you're painting is, is a really exciting one, and I think it's all very much in scope. I think, you know, I mean, you, you, the first example, when you start to talk about talent flows and talent understanding, a lot of that's actually already happening uh, in the LinkedIn ecosystem, right? We've got our referrals product that's starting to surface referral recommendations to people at a company based on the, the jobs that are available and based on what LinkedIn knows about their connection graph. Uh, that's being worked uh, worked hard on and extended, and a lot of mach machine learning is going into that. A lot of artificial intelligence will start to become how those things improve over time. Uh, I think when you talk about CRM, there's no doubt that you know if you look at CRM systems today, uh, any CRM system, right? They're they're basically very static, basic databases, right? That Salespeople, um, it's a critical function for them. It's a critical part of their job to be able to uh, understand, you know, who's in there, what activities have taken place. But it's also like the low light of their experience as a salesperson that they've got to enter all this stuff and they have to interact with the, the CRM system instead of just spending time focused on the customer and just spending time focused on what they have to get done. And so there's no doubt that there's a future here where. I think LinkedIn can help, Microsoft can help to improve that experience. And in doing so, uh, improve the customer experience. You know, great, great corollary. I was at a restaurant last night and, you know, the waiter came over and they had, the waiter had his little iPad and, you know, he took his order from us right on the iPad. And, you know, it's a very, very simple example, but think about what that does. Like, he doesn't have to now go back and re-enter all that data into a screen somewhere else. So that's time savings. He's going to make far fewer mistakes because he's doing it right there with us interactively. So yep. those mistakes are 
much better experience. The food's going to get ordered faster because there's not the delay between, uh, you know, him actually entering that data again. And so waiter can now spend more time focused on the customer, focused on the things that really matter to the customer, like, you know, making sure we're having uh, a great experience. That's a simple example of the power of these technologies. And, and the same thing is true of the CRM example, where if you, if you start to make these things easy, start to make, make data entry easy and understanding, and start to make data entry in some cases irrelevant because it's automatically going to be updated on your behalf, the future feels very bright for the possibilities there. We just live in an amazing age right now with technology. Um, if if I it's could, so good, isn't it? It is. So you know, three buy a three D printer, buy some other technology for your home. You know, if I was a twelve year old kid again, the kind of products that I would be cranking out and manufacturing and putting up on the web and doing e commerce, I'm I'm blown away with what my girls do. Uh, and how entrepreneurial they are. Uh, I can't wait to see their career pass. And they just got such an early start in, you know, the ability to wake up in the morning and invent something and be in market by the afternoon if you want to, you know. So it's it's really not about the challenge anymore about manufacturing things. It's about the ideas and the and getting the right team to implement uh, those ideas. Um, you know, you talk about data entry. One of the products that uh, was an advisor to company called Implicit, who's been now acquired by Salesforce, and I'm testing some new technology for them. One of their big value props was that every time you sent an email or got an email from contacts, you wouldn't have to enter those records in your database. So it automatically enter the contacts. Very powerful tool. And so, you know, anything that can reduce data entry and reduce mistakes is is going to be critical for both sales and marketing. And all the artificial intelligence and data that we can capture today is you know, people thought this was going to be creepy to people. They thought that one day if you, you know, if, if websites serve up content based on what you were looking at, that people would think that's creepy. And maybe it is to an older generation, but if you have grown up with personalization and dynamic targeting, then you know nothing else. And so when you take your mobile phone and you work into a uh, Panera, you want it to actually come up and say, would you like to order your Mediterranean breakfast sandwich again and a medium coffee because that's what you ordered the last time or have it suggest other things that you might like because people who order those products also order these other ones and they know that this is a more savory type of eater than a sweet eater, right? I mean, all the metadata that we have now happening and all these different points of purchase and experiences are going to be used for targeting, for sales, but I believe, and I'm curious to get your perspective, that it's for the betterment of society, used the right way, but for the most part, the betterment of society, because we can buy things that we're going to be happier with and, and enjoy. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, look, if you go back in time, this has always been the case with new technologies. The, the, the example of the camera, right, when the camera was first invented, people thought that it was a, a huge privacy issue. Uh, and, of course, now today it's, we, we don't think twice about it, right? Oh, now, wait, I'll interrupt and say, unless I'm flying my drone, because when I fly my drone camera, I do get some interesting looks, but that will change over time. Anyway, back over to you. Fair enough, right? But, but so, so my, 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 uh, my feeling is that it will ultimately be for the betterment of society. All technologies at the end of the day have ultimately been for the betterment of society. However, uh, there are risks. 
and we have to be aware of that, right? Like, I don't think we would want to undo the, the understanding of how to split the atom because of all the benefits that have come out of that and our ability to control that, right? Some incredible things that have been very positive have come out of that, like highly sustainable power sources, but uh, it also created autonomous weapons, right? That is no bueno, and that, that's we have to balance the good with the bad, and I think we do have to be thoughtful about the privacy ramifications of some of this stuff and the security ramifications of some of this stuff. But uh, ultimately, from what I've seen so far, you know, technological advancement has been a positive thing for, for humanity and it's brought, brought society closer together and we're living longer and we're living healthier and uh, there's just a ton of benefits to it. But, uh, you know, it, we, we have to be thoughtful about it. And so to me, it, it comes down to privacy by design, making sure that as we build these things, we're being thoughtful about what kind of experience do we want our customers to have and the users and the people that they're, let's say, targeting, what kind of experience do we want them to have uh, while we're doing these things. Well, I would hope then someday, Russ, because I know Nobel, you know, the inventor of dynamite uh, that has the Nobel Peace Prize and all the money that goes to peace because yeah, of sure. exactly what you talked about. So if you're creating weapons of mass marketing destruction, then you're going to have to become very charitable in the future if if these <laughs> tools are used in the wrong way. Uh, they are powerful. I mean, it's so great to catch up with you, and, and uh, I love talking with you about the innovation that's happening over there. And, you know, both companies are really committed, LinkedIn and Microsoft, to furthering innovation. Uh, and it's so great to see new leadership at Microsoft. You know, I, I was there in the era of Bill Gates and then Bomber and was just wondering for years why there is no cloud uh, activity happening. How is Microsoft missing this mass initiative? Well, that is no longer the case, and they've really embraced it um, and are using tools and technologies themselves now for demand generation. I think, you know, every BU at Microsoft is deploying marketing automation or has been deploying marketing automation, and um, just such such a change, such an innovative place. Anything else, Russ, that we're not talking about that you're excited about these days? Or did we hit it? I think we got it. This was a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, it feels like we could, we could talk for hours here, so maybe we'll do it again one day. That would be awesome. Well, I'm going to let you get back to the rest of your day. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and thank you, Russ, for joining. And, hey, I haven't reminded everybody in a while, but I'm going to tell you right now, go make marketing matter most in the world. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.